bracha. To thank Benjamin and Elise Wall of Netanya Eretz Yisrael for dedicating the Shurim this month in memory of their dear friend and mentor, Moshe Chaim Ben Tzvi Hirsch, Zichron Lebracha, and our Daf Yomi sponsor for today, Bernard and Varda Birnbaum, in creation of the 18th yard site of Bernard's beloved father, Pinchas Hillel Ben Shlomo, Zichron Lebracha. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Neshamas will have an Aliyah and the families in Nechama. Well, so with that, let us begin. So we have a beautiful, really fascinating daf ahead of us today. So again, today's daf is Samich Zayin 67, and we are picking up on Samich Vav Amud Bey's 66B. Um, okay, 66B. Let, so both sides, remember again, just to re- we're picking up about 20 lines up from the bottom on Samich Vav Amud Bey's. So just to reorient ourselves a bit, if you remember again, we were discussing yesterday the fascinating Machlokas. We discussed, well, first of all, we discussed yesterday in general about the concept of Nichsei Tzon Barzel, Nichsei Molug, the fundamental difference between those two types of property. Nichsei Molug, remember again, wife brings them into the marriage, husband has usage. Husband has usage, wife, re- wife retains title, complete title, and again, upon dissolution of the marriage, wife gets whatever is remaining back. As opposed to Nechsei Tzom Barzal, which are evaluated at the time of the marriage, the value is guaranteed by the husband, and essential, and upon death or divorce, the wife gets back the value of the item. The machokis we were having is the following case. What happens if upon divorce, the wife brought in the Rolex watch. It was worth $20,000. Now they're getting divorced. She wants the watch back. He says, no, I'm not giving you back the watch. Rather, again, I'm going to give you the value. Here's a check for $20,000. So what's Talacha? So we'll say, so this is a Machlokis in Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Ami. Rabbi Huda said, Hadin Ima. Ultimately, she has a right to go ahead and get back the watch. And his logic was Shavach base Aviha Didahavi, which means that Halacha Lamaisa, the property that she brings into her marriage has a certain sentimental value as well. And therefore, she has the right to take it out with her. Versus Rabbi Amiyu said, no, essentially, since the husband took complete Achrayis for the property, therefore, effectively, what? It becomes his. And because it becomes his, he has the right to go ahead and simply give her the cash value. So we'll say we're in the middle of that machlokas. So says the Gemara Yosef, Rabbi Rabbi Yosef, Bishili Pirkei, Rabbi Nachman, the Yosef, Kamri. So also Rabbi and Rabbi Yosef were sitting together at the end of the Shir of Rav Nachman. And they sat and they said, Tanya Kavasi de Rabbi Huda, the Tanya Kavasi de Rabbi Ami. There's a brace that supports Rabbi Huda and a b'risa that supports Rabbi Ami. Let's analyze. Tanya Kavasi de Rabbi Ami. There's a b'risa that supports Rabbi Ami. Now also Rabbi Ami holds hadin imo, that the husband has the right to keep the object and simply pay the wife the value. So the Gemara says, listen to this. Avdeit son barzal, yotzin b'shein v'ayim ish avalo isha. I will say this is fascinating. Remember again, the halacha is, if you have an Evid Kanani, a non-Jewish servant, what's the halacha? If you knock out his tooth or his eye, he is he goes free. So Bosa, listen to this. In a case of Avde Son Barzel. So the wife brings in Avadim into the marriage, but they are Nechseit Son Barzel. It is only if the husband knocks out their tooth or their eye that they go free, but not if the wife does. Now we'll say why? Because the Allah of Shane Va'ayin is only a din in the owner. So what do you see from here? Even though the wife retains title, 
because the husband has complete achrayis, he becomes like the owner. So there's a price that would support that the husband effectively becomes the owner of the nichseit zone barzal. Okay, thank you, Rabbi Yehuda. We have a price that supports Rabbi Yehuda. Hamechaneses shum labayla. So we'll say here's the case. The case over here is the halacha lamaisa. Hamachneses, which means a wife is bringing property into the marriage, but it's shum. Its property is a value, valued, evaluated. Whereas the watch said, this is nichseit son barzal. She's bringing nichseit son barzal into the marriage. If the husband wants to sell the property, he doesn't have the right to sell the property. Now, what does that show you? What does that show you? The fact that he doesn't have the right to sell nichseit son barzal, what does that show you? That he's not the owner. Right? So even though he has achrayis, even though he has responsibility for it, he's not the owner. Remember again, well, okay, let's, not only that, Now say here it gets even, here it gets even more interesting, which is that Allah say even if the husband brought certain valuated property in, he can't sell it. Again, say that's because, that has to do ultimately with a ksuvalin, Against property, If let's say we we'll say they both decided to sell it ultimately for household parnasa, This was an episode of the Habit and he explained that halacha a husband has the right to go ahead and extract that from purchases. Okay, I will say this is a lot in this brisa. The point, the point that we are supposed to take from this brisa is what is that halacha Right? And in this particular case, what do you see over here? Sorry. In this particular case, it says, the husband is not permitted to go ahead and sell the property. So the fact that the husband is not permitted to sell tells you that what? He's not the owner. He's not the owner. So that just supports both of these opinions. Okay, so we'll say, so bottom line, we, all we did is we just bolstered the machlokes by quoting a b'raisa, which supports both Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Ami. And I will say, so we are still left with our fundamental machlokes. Who is considered to be the owner of Nichse Tzon Barazel? We have Rabbi Huda saying, she is the owner. She is the owner. Rabbi Ami essentially saying, since the husband has Zacharias, he is the owner. Rabbi say, what's the nafkamina as to who is the owner? What's the nafkamina? Right? So first of all, it's interesting. We just saw another nafkamina. Nafkamina Ramon could be who has potentially the right to sell it during marriage. Although that's not really such a good nafkamina because one can make the argument that no one has the right to sell it during marriage. Okay, we'll leave that on the side. But the bigger nafkamina is the case we're dealing with now. A couple is getting divorced. She brought in the Nixit Son Barzo Rolex watch. The watch is right here, right? The watch is perfectly preserved. It's still there. He says, I'm keeping it. Here's $20,000. She says, I want it back. Machlokis Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Ami. Amar Rava, Amar Rav Nachman. Halachik Rabbi Huda. Rava says, Rav Nachman, the halacha follows Rabbi Huda, namely Hadin Ima, that this property represents her property from her father's home. And therefore, again, she has claimed to it. She has claimed to it. Okay, so the Gemara says, "Amli Rav Lerav Nachman, Vatanya Kavase Rabbi Ami." I, but Rav says, "Rav Nachman, how can you say the halacha follows Rabbi Huda?" We quoted a brayso that supports Rabbi Ami. Afagad the Sanya Kavase Rabbi Ami. 
Mistabra Taima Dravihuda, Mishum Shavach Beis Aviha. So Rabbi will say, interestingly enough, he said to him, so Rabbi said to Rabbi Nachman, I'm sorry, so Rabbi Nachman said back to Rabbi, you're right. Even though there is a Braisa that supports Rabbi Ami, the Svara, right, the logic of Rabbi Huda is stronger. In other words, say, the property that a woman brings into a marriage reflects or represents property that she has from her father's home. So because of that, if the property is extant, right, if the property is there and it's intact, she has every right to get it back. Every right to get it back. So the Gemara tells the story. The Gemara tells, says, he is his son. So what happened? There was a particular woman, particular woman, who brought into the marriage a wool cloak. A wool cloak. That I will say, interestingly enough, the wool cloak was brought in literally again, biksuvasa. It was put in the ksuva. So I will say, interestingly enough, what that means is it's nichseit son barzal. So it was brought in, right? It was brought in with a particular value. Okay, Shachiv, the husband died. The husband died. So what was suddenly very interesting happened. Shaklua Yasmi Uparsua Amnisna. The children took the wool cloak and they spread it over the body of their father. So they used the cloak to cover the body. So the Gemara says, the Amarava Rava said, Kanye, Kanye Misna. The dead has acquired the, clo- the cloak. Look at Rashi. Rashi says, Kanye Misna. Essentially, that cloak becomes like tachrichim, becomes like burial shrouds. And burial shrouds are asr One is not permitted to get benefit from it. So Rabbis, once, once you spread out that cloak over, over the corpse, ultimately, again, the dead acquire it. So Amar, Amar, Lei, Nanoi, Bereid, Rav Yosef, Bereid, Rav, Rav, Kahana. So Nanoi said to Rav, Kahana, V'hamar, Rav, Amar, Rav, Nachman, Rav, Rav, For one second, we just said the Allah Hafaz Rabbi Huda. So what does it mean, the Allah Hafaz Rabbi Huda? That who is the owner of the Nikhsay Tzom Barzal? She is. So she should be able to take, to take her cloak back. Amar Lei, Mila Mod Rabbi Huda, the Mechusar Govaina. Rabbi said, This is fascinating. See, here's the difference. Sometimes somebody could have a right to something, right? I could be the, the titular owner to something, I have title to something. But then there could be, but because the item is not in my possession, an intervening event could usurp my ownership. Intervening event could usurp my ownership. So this is fascinating. So while it is true that halacha lamaisa, a woman is the owner of the nichseit son barzel, she is the owner, because she does not have physical possession of it, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, an intervening event could usurp her ownership. So let me just play this out over here. So we'll say, let's take this example. The woman brought in the cloak to the marriage, right? She brought in the cloak to the marriage, right? And what happened? And and now you have, right? So we just established that Ultimately, she owns the nichseit son barzel. She owns the nichseit son barzel. Okay, so I, don't, don't worry, just open your gemara. It, it, it is what it is. Right? Just get the build, get the building built. Just get the building built. Right? So, so, so seriously, so let's stop with this already. We do this every single week, every single night. So, 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 so at, at, at the at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the gemara says as follows: Hadini ma, 
ultimately she is the owner of the nichsei tzon barzel. Okay. They both say, now watch this. So therefore, husband dies, husband dies. What should happen with her cloak? What should happen with her cloak? She gets it back. They both say, there's an intervening event. What's the intervening event? Husband dies. That's not the intervening event. What's the real intervening event? They put the cloak over him. So suddenly now her cloak is used as tachrichim, is used as burial shrouds. Used as, right? Used burial shrouds. So both say, so she's tining, she's tining, that's my cloak. We just established it. That's fine, except you're ignoring the intervening event of the fact that it was used for tachrichim. It's your cloak, but it wasn't in your possession. And because you didn't have possession, therefore what? Therefore, therefore, the usurping event undermined your ownership. And therefore, again, I both say, interestingly enough, even if you hold that halo, and what, all right, so let's go back there. So the Gemara says, therefore, therefore, Rav Nachman Paskind, that, or I should say, Rav Paskind, that halo the dead, so to speak, acquired the cloak. So the Gemara gives like this, the Gemara says, so the Gemara says, Rav Latame, both say last line, Samach Bavon Beis, Rav goes according to his reasoning, Dama Rav, listen to this, Rav say, there are other examples of intervening events which usurp ownership, which is Hegdish, Chomitz, Shikrur, Tap of Samach Zayin, Mafkir Mide Shibud. They both say this is fascinating. Let's say you have what's called an apotiki, Rashi points out. An apotiki is like collateral, but it's a but it's a very specific form of collateral. So apotiki means it's it's a contraction. Apotehe koi. This is from where you will collect. So I'll give you a simple example. I borrow ten thousand dollars from Ruvain. I go ahead and identify. Uh, let, let's say, oh, let's take this. Let's say I have a, uh, I have a bottle of scotch, a very rare bottle of, that's worth ten thousand dollars. You see why I'm using that in just a moment, right? And that's that's the that's the apotiki to pay back the debt. Let's say so again, great. So we'll say now. Let's say I decide. You know what? A makdish the scotch. I give it to Beis Hamikdash, or I both say watch this, or chametz. Pesach comes, and I forgot to sell the scotch. Or shichrur. Shichrur, I will say, would apply in a case, ultimately, again, where somebody was, somebody collateralized their eved, right? And I emancipated the eved. I will say, all of these cases, what happens? The shibud, the lien, is lifted, right? Why is the lien lifted? Because, I will say, an intervening event occurred. Now, here's what's fascinating, right? See, even though the apotiki, to a certain degree, is considered to be in the domain of the creditor, what's missing? What's missing? What doesn't the creditor have? Possession. Possession. And I will say, this is actually a fascinating idea, like legally, which is, you could have a claim to something, but when you don't have possession, another intervening event could come and undermine your claim to that object. It's really a fascinating idea. So in essence, the creditor has a claim to the apotiki. That is the source of his, that is the source of his collection. Right, I will say, I want to point out, apotiki is different than regular collateral, because often regular collateral is triggered only when the only when the debtor goes into default. An apotiki often could be considered to be a lachatila source of repayment. But at the end of the day, it's mechusar govayna. It is not in the possession of the creditor. So what Rav is introducing to us is, when you have an item that someone has ownership claim to, 
but it's not in their physical possession, an intervening event could come and undermine their claim to that object. Fascinating, fascinating. So for our purposes, even if we pass like Rabbi Yehuda, namely that halacha lemaisa, upon death or dissolution of a marriage, a woman has claim to her barzel in their actual form, not just the value, but the object is hers as well is if it's extant. Halacha lemaisa, if there's an intervening event between, let's say, the death of the husband and her collection, her claim could be undermined. Her claim, now again, I will say, like in this case, the Yisumim would still be obligated to what? What would they be obligated to do? Pay her back, right? So she'd have to get the value, right? The estate would be obligated to pay her back the value of the cloak. But Lamaisa, same way, by the way, that in the case of the apotiki, the creditor still gets his money, right? Still gets his money, just not from that object. Incredible. So I Yehuda. So we'll say one last piece. Honor Yehuda. Listen to this case. Let's say a woman went ahead and brought in two objects into the marriage as nichseit son barzel. Right, so let's say, for example, she brings in two pieces of estate silver into the marriage, okay? And the combined total of that silver is a thousand zuz. Is a thousand zuz, okay? Now, let's say, now what happens? And remember, again, it's written in the ksuva, two pieces of silver worth a thousand zuz, okay? Now, watch this. So, let's listen to this. And Bar Hashem, silver appreciates. So, now the two pieces of silver are worth two thousand zuz. So we'll say, so what happens now? What's the halacha? Echa not lasa b'ksuvasa. So we'll say, let's say upon death or divorce, one of the pieces of silver, she gets, quote unquote, as part of her ksuva payment. Because again, remember, the husband guarantees the value of the nichse tzon barzel. The value that's guaranteed is 1,000 zuz. So upon, upon death or divorce, she'll get back one piece of silver in satisfaction of the ksuva payment. Technically speaking, the husband is not, or the estate, is not obligated to give back the other piece of silver. Right? Why? Because the, remember again, I both say, who gets to keep appreciation? The husband. That's part of Mixet Sombarzel, right? Husband, right? Husband guarantees the value, and therefore he bears the risk of depreciation. But as part of that, he gets the benefit of appreciation. So therefore, he only has to return one piece of silver, which represents the value that he guaranteed in the ksuva. What about the second piece? Now, what she can do is, she could demand the return of the other piece of silver, as long as what? As long as what? She pays. But as well say, but the chap is, but she could demand, she could demand, I'm, I'm paying, but I demand that you return it to me. She, so again, she, she doesn't get it because she's not owed it. She's owed a thousand zuz. That's what she got. But she could force the estate to sell her back that remaining piece of silver. Why? Shavach beis aviha. Because remember again, a woman does have a connection, a familial connection to the property she brings into the marriage. So the Gemara says, okay, my kamash malon, shavach beis aviha didahavi. So we already established this, right? We already established this, that a woman has a connection, ultimately, again, to, to her nechseit son barzel. To which the Gemara says, Okay, so what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that Because I might have thought that, When do we say that a woman has a right to the actual property of the nechseit son barzel? That's when that property is being dispensed as part of her ksuva payment. But if her ksuva payment is satisfied with part of it, perhaps she has no entitlement even to force the estate to sell back to her the remaining part. 
Kamashlun, that's not the case. Kamashlun Rabosai, Teralocha Lamaisa, she has the right to force the estate to sell back to her the remaining parts of her Nechseit Zombarza. And Rabosai, this is indeed how the Shulchan Arach Paskins, this is in Evan Ezer. Simon Peiches Sif Gimel. The Shulchan Aruch says as follows: Him he omeres kli anino telas v'hu omer damim anino saying shomin law shomin law. Shabbos says saloch lamaisa. We indeed pass like Rabbi Huda. Shabbos says so again. First of all, we accept these two different categories of property, right? Nechse melog, nechse tzom barzal, which we've established. We've also established that upon death or dissolution of the marriage, nechse tzom barzal, nechse tzom barzal, the value is guaranteed and given back to the wife. I, what happens if upon, let's say, divorce, Rabbi says, just go back, right? She brought in a Rolex, value $20,000. He says, I'm keeping the watch, here's the check. She says, I want back the watch, right? We pass like Rabbi Huda. she could demand return of the watch. She could demand, why? Shevach base aviha. Because we appreciate the fact that Halach says she has a familial, often has a familial connection to this property, and therefore she has the right to receive the actual property back in return. Furthermore, again, Abba said the other case, where let's say again she brought in, let's just use the two pieces of silver, worth a thousand zuz. They appreciate the two thousand zuz. Upon death or divorce, what is she owed? What is she owed? Right? One thousand zuz, one piece of silver. But what can she demand? She could demand that the estate sell her back at fair, at fair value the other piece of silver. Beautiful. We will say that's Talochem. Good, let's go back there. Says the Mishnah. We're still, we're still focused here a little bit. Remember again, about how, how did we get into this whole discussion? We got into this discussion, remember again, in the case of a woman, an illegal marriage to a Kohen, with that come and the woman's coming into the marriage with avadim, so the shaila is: Do the avadim eat truma or not? So that we got into a discussion about the difference between avadim that are nichseit zon barzel, nichsei malug, and we kind of went out from that. So we're now we're getting back to the avadim case. This is fascinating. Bas Yisrael shenisays lekohen. Here we go. We'll say a, a, a legal marriage. A regular Jewish woman bas Yisrael marries a kohen umes, and now he died. Now he died, and ultimately she's pregnant. So she's pregnant at the time of the death of her husband. So I will say, what's the halacha? Lo yochlu avadeha betruma chelko shel ubar. Her servants, her slaves, cannot eat truma because they are partially owned or because of the ownership interest of the fetus. Okay. What does that mean? Take a look at Rashi. So Rashi says over here, So there's what, it's so interesting sometimes, like, it's always fascinating to see what the Mishnah presupposes we understand from a case, right? Because imagine, imagine learning all of this without Rashi. Now, of course, the way Rashi learned Mishnah is, is that Rashi saw the Gemara and kind of read back into the, from the Gemara, from the Gemara, what the what the case of the Mishnah actually was, but Rashi like Rashi highlights over here just uh, such an incredibly important piece of information. Look at Rashi Venichem Uberes Oh, by the way, you see, you read this Mishnah, and what does it sound like? He got married, right? She's pregnant. Who is she pregnant with? Their first child. No, 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 no. They have kids. They have kids. This is an important piece, because remember, again, if Abbas Yisrael marries a Kohen, and ultimately, again, he dies and she has no children, 
What's her right vis-a-vis -vis truma? She has none. She can't eat truma. However, if she has children with the Kohen, those children allow her to continue to eat truma. So the case in question over here is as follows. Basi Yisrael married to a Kohen. They have kids. They have kids. Kohen dies. Right? She's pregnant with another child. V'yochel is truma. So we'll say, so therefore, her ability to eat truma is, is locked in, right? Because she has kids. Watch this. Her avadim lo yochlu avdeit son barzal betruma. Watch this. Watch this. See, I both said, let's play this out. Incredible. Basis are married to a coin. Basis are married to a coin. Right? They have, they have, we'll call it, they have a child. They have two children. Right? Good. And now she's pregnant. Husband dies. So, right? So she could continue to eat truma by dint of her children. What about her slaves? What about her slaves? So I will say, watch this. Nichseitzon Barzel cannot eat truma. Why can't they eat truma? I will say, when husband dies, who gets Nichseitzon Barzel? Who gets them? Heirs. Heirs. I will say, who's included in the pool of heirs? The child in utero. And the baby who is in utero blocks the avadim, the Nichseitzon Barzel. Remember again, I will say, Nichseimalog. They could eat truma. Why could they eat truma? They're an extension of who? Of her. So they could eat truma. But nichseit son barzel, where the achrayis is upon the husband, therefore effectively, on a certain level, owned by the estate. The uber, therefore, is so fascinating. The uber, therefore, has an ownership interest in them, and his ownership interest blocks them from eating. Now, why his ownership interest blocks them from eating, we're going to see in the Gemara in just a moment. So it says, let's go. I'm going to relieve the rest of Rashi because we'll see it in the Gemara. So, so the Gemara goes, I'm sorry, so the Mishnah goes weiter. Because Rabbi Yossi holds that in Uber, a child in utero prevents the Avde, the Avde Barzal, the Avde Tzom Barzal from eating truma. Okay, Amrlo. So the Chacham said to Rabbi Yossi, Me'achar she'aretalanu abbas Yisrael l'koen, afbas koen l'koen. The truth is using your logic, that the presence of an uber, presence of an uber, who is part of the inheritance pool, blocks the avdeit som barzal from eating truma. Why is this only true in a case of a bas Yisrael who marries a kohen? It should be also true of what? Of a bas kohen who marries a kohen. So the Gemara says, Af bas kohen le kohen, umeis venichemu baris lo yochlu avadeh betruma, Okay, so the Gemara just kind of, the Mishnah just leaves that open-ended. We'll see in the Gemara why Rabbi Huda did not address that particular case. So we'll say, let's go. Let's understand this. So we'll say, so what we're left with over here is a principle. What's the principle? The presence of an uber, the presence of a child in utero, will prevent the avdeit son barzel from eating truma. That's, that's, that's Rabbi Yossi's position. So the Gemara says, why? Ibailu, tam Rabbi Yossi, Mishum the Kasavar Ubar Bimai 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 Zara Zarhu. So we'll say, is it because, listen to this, it's fascinating. Maybe it's because, like this, maybe an Uber, right? Maybe an Uber, maybe a child in utero in the womb of a woman who is not a Kohanis, is not a Kohanis, is considered to be a non Kohen. Right? The child in utero, in other words, I will say, what we're saying over here is that. When you have a child who is the child of a woman who is not a Baskoin, so she herself is a Zara, so to speak, when that child is in her womb, he is a non-Kohen. The only time he becomes a Kohen is when? When he's birthed. 
And therefore, Rabbi Ose is fascinating, and therefore, Allah Chalamaisa, you essentially have Avdeit Son Barzel that are partially owned by who? By an ankoin, the fetus. And therefore, Halacha Lemaisa, that blocks them from consuming truma. Ogdama, yelod ma'achil, sheni yelod, eno ma'achil. I will say, maybe there's a simpler reason. Maybe the simpler reason is that Halacha Lemaisa, that Halacha Lemaisa, it is only someone who is born, who is alive, who could enable others to go ahead and eat truma. But someone who is not birthed cannot go ahead and enable someone else to eat truma. Let's both say, that the upper, on one hand, we look at the fetus as if it's in existence, it exists, and therefore we look at it as one of the inheritors, but on the flip side, only a living inheritor could allow Avodim, to, or could allow, in this case, the Abdeit Son Barzal, to go and eat Shuma. To which the Gemara says, my nafkamina, what's the nafkamina between these two approaches? Lo'obar b'ma'i kohenes. Oh, I'll tell you, the nafkamina, as you just mentioned, is if the mother herself is a Baskoin. So I'll say, if, this, if the, if the halacha is, that a child in utero, child in utero, is not a Kohen until he's birthed, that's only true if his mother is a non-Koheness. But if his mother is a Koheness, he should be a Kohen even in the womb, in which case he should enable the Tzom Barzal teach Ruma. But if it's a Din, that only someone who is birthed can enable others to teach Ruma, but someone who's in utero cannot, then it makes no difference about the Kohanic identity or lack thereof of his mother. So I'll say, Amar Rabba, says, Rabbi de Kasavar, Uber b'ma'i zara zarhu. Rabbi says that halacha l'ma'isa, the reason for Abiyosi is a child in utero, when his mother is not a Kohen, is a non-Kohen. And therefore, again, the presence of this, essentially, the avdeit slumbars are partially owned, quote-unquote, by a non-Kohen. By a non-Kohen. And that blocks them from going ahead and eating truma. Rabbi Yossi, if I'm a no. Yelod ma'achil, she'eni yelod elo ma'achil. Rabbi says, no, that's not the reason. The reason ultimately, again, that the Avdeit Son Barzel can't eat truma is because it is only someone who, is, uh, who, who has been birthed that has the ability to enable others to go ahead and eat truma. But so we'll say, what's fascinating according to this approach is that Allah so on one hand we're saying someone who's not birthed can't enable others. So we'd be tempted to say, therefore, if you're not birthed, you're not part of the equation. Yet, on the other hand, we know that the Uber exists, and the existence of the Uber tells us that there is another heir coming. Another heir coming. So therefore, I will say, Allah Chalamaisa, the fact that he's on the scene, but doesn't have the ability to enable others to go and eat truma, blocks the Avdeit Son Barzel from going ahead and eating truma. Incredible. So we'll say, so again, this is what we've got, the sheet of Rabbi Yossi, but there's a machokis as to his svara. So me svei, meri ezekasha, amr lo Rabbi Yossi, me achasha aratolano abas abas isra lakoin, bas koin lakoin mau. So we'll say, so remember again, the Bryce says as follows, a little bit of a different, of a different version, of a different version of the Mishnah. In the Bryce, they, they said to Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi, you told us about a case of a Basisol who marries a Kohen. But if the presence of the Uber blocks the Avdeit Son Barzel from going ahead and eating Truma, why is it only a case of a Basisol who marries a Kohen? Why can't it also be the case of a Bas Kohen who marries a Kohen? So Amr Laham, Rabbi Yossi says to them, listen, what do you want from me? Zu Shamati, Zu Lo Shamati. Rabbi Yossi says, I only heard the Halacha in this first case of a Basisol who married a Kohen. 
I didn't hear the halacha uh, in the second case of a bas coin who marries a coin. So the Gemara said, well, let's analyze this response. Is that a fetus in utero is considered to be a non coin, a zar, then it makes sense for him to say, I only heard one case, I didn't hear the other case. The Gemara says, Elo. He'll say, but if it's a din that it just a child in utero cannot enable someone else to eat truma, then the identity of the wife is fundamentally irrelevant. To which the Gemara says, Kasha. You're right, Yabosai. That is a says that's that is a good Kasha, that is a good Kasha. Ultimately, again, on the interpretation of Rav Yosef. Incredible. So, Rav Yehuda, Shmuel, Zudiv Rav Yosef, these words are Rav Yosef, these words are Rav Yosef, Avachacham Omerim Yeshlo Banim Ochlim Mishum Banim. So, I'll say, now the Gemara is going to quote over here, Bryce, listen to this. So, Rav Yehuda said, name is Shmuel. Zudiv Rav these are the words of Rav But the Chachamim say, Yeshlo Banim, if the Kohen died and left behind sons, Ochlim Mishum Banim, ultimately, again, I will say now, remember, in this case, Rashi points out is the same case as the Mishnah. Kohen married to Abbas Yisrael. Let's say Kohen dies. He leaves behind sons. She's not pregnant. She's not pregnant. He leaves behind sons. Yeshla banim, ochlim mishum banim. Ultimately, again, the Avadim could eat, right, as a result of the sons, because the sons become the inheritors, and therefore, again, they could eat truma. What happens if there are no sons? Ochlim mishum achim. Presumably, if there are no sons, who inherits the deceased Kohen? His brothers. So either way, so the Avdeit Son Barzal could eat Shuma because now they're owned by the brothers. Ain lo Achim. What happens about say if he has no brothers? Ochle Mishum Mishpacha. Right? Mishpacha Gula. Ultimately, again, the Gemara says, I will say, so, so, so ultimately, again, if there are no brothers, someone is going to inherit these avadim, right? And therefore, the therefore again, the avadim kli truma by dint of whoever they are being they are being inherited by. To which the gemara says kula zu velo svirale. So I say it must be that ultimately, again, this is the position of Rabbi of Rabbi of Rabbi Yossi, But ultimately, again, he does not hold in accordance with it. I the gemara says really ha'amar lishmuel rabchana bagarta puk aisili be'asara. Go and bring me 10 people, which means, again, I want to publicize something. I want to say to you in front of them, We'll say that if a person goes ahead and ultimately what? So we'll say, what you begin to see, what you begin to see ultimately again is that it is only living heirs who have the ability to enable, to enable the avadim to eat truma. But Bepashtos, ultimately, again, the, the, would be a problem, to which the Gemara Surah Shmuel said to Rabchana Bagarata, go ahead and bring me 10, bring me a group of 10, right? And I want to publicize the following halacha. Hamazakel Uber, if someone goes out and conveys ownership of something to an Uber, to a fetus, ultimately, again, Kana, he acquires it. Which of us sounds like what? An Uber is part of the, the inheritance pool. Inheritance pool to which the Gemara says, to which the Gemara says, okay, so listen to this. Uh, so the Gemara says, um, 
Fine. Rather, it must be that it means this is the halacha, or he quoted this halacha, and he also holds like it. If that's the case, my kamash balon depligi rabbanalid rabbiosi. So what? So what? What are we coming to learn? That ultimately, again, the rabbanal argue rabbiosi. Umi pligi. Do they really argue? Masiv rabbi zakai zu edus heid rabbiosi mushum shmai bav talion v'hodalo. We will say yet we learned. Rabbi zakai said this edus right this halacha. Ultimately, again, Rabbi Yossi said over in the name of Shmaya and Aftalion. Wow. And ultimately, the Chachamim agreed with him. Amravashi Mikatani Vikiblu. Does it say ultimately they accepted this position? Hodulo Katani. They agreed with him. And I both say, here's what's fascinating. Hodulo could just mean that what? Demistaber Ta'ame. That ultimately, again, they agreed with his reasoning. Okay, so turn Rabbanon, Hiniach Banim, Shabbos say another Braisa, Hiniach Banim, if the Kohen died and he left behind sons, Elu, vi Elu, Ochlin, Rabbanon say all types of slaves now are permitted to eat. Look at Rashi, Elu, vi Elu, Ochlin, Avde Melug, Va Avde Barza Ochlin, Da Avde Melug, Da Avde Melug, Ochlin, Bishvila, Shi Ochalas, Bishvil Banel, Va Avde Barza, Ochlin, Bishvil Banel. So we'll say, case number one, we'll say now another Braisa, they're still in Torah Mishnah. Kohen, right? Basi so is married to a Kohen. Baruch Hashem, they have children. He dies. She's not pregnant. He dies. She's not pregnant. So Rabbi says, what's that Ultimately, again, that's an easy case. Who eats truma in that case? Who eats truma? Truma for everyone, right? She eats truma because she has children, even though she's a Basi, Basi Yisrael. Ultimately, again, her Avdei Malug eat truma. Why? Why? Because of her. And the Avdei Tzambarazel eat truma. Why? Because they're now owned by the son. When I say owned, you know that's not really accurate. In other words, the sons have achrayis for her, and therefore they're kind of like the owners. Good. That's case number one. Case number two. Hinicham uberes. What happens if, again, Basi so married to a Kohen, they have children, she's pregnant, he dies, what's the halacha? Eilu vi eilu ein ochlin. Wow. Okay. Interesting. No one's allowed to eat. No one's allowed to eat shuman. I both said, look at Rashi. Eilu vi eilu ein ochlin. Sha uber eino ma'achilois imo. Wow. Now in this price, so what it sounds like is that halacha lamaisa, she can't eat by dint of the uber. And also we're going to see this probably means that it's talking about a case where there are no other children. Right? Bas Cohen married, Bas Yisrael married to a Cohen. She becomes pregnant, first pregnancy, first child. He dies. He dies. The presence of an uber does not allow her to eat truma. Only an actual child allows her to eat truma. And of course, then the avadim, obviously, if she can't eat truma, I will say, who else can't eat truma? Her avdimaluk. And avdit son barzel can't eat truma. Why? Because the only heir is not yet in the world. So the Gemara says, Hinichamu baris, elovi elo in Ochlin. Hiniach bunim venichamu baris. I will say, so case number one, Kawain dies with kids. Easy case. Everyone eats truma. She eats truma because of the kids. Her Avde Malog eat truma because of her. Avde Tzom Barzal eat truma because of the sons. Case number two, Kohen dies. She's pregnant. No other kids. No one eats truma. She can't eat truma because, again, she doesn't have yet a living child. Ultimately, her Avde Malog can't eat truma because if she can't eat, they can't eat. Avde Tzom Barzal can't eat because the only inheritor is a child in utero. Okay, case number three, which I will say is essentially our case. Hiniach bani veniach meuberes. Oh, and I will say again, Basi is married to a Kohen. They have two kids. Now she's pregnant. He dies. Now what's the halacha? Avde Malug Ochlim Kederach Shiochel. I will say, let's work backwards. So she could eat, right? She could eat. Why could she eat? Why could she eat? 
because of the existence of her other children, right, her two kids, because she could eat, therefore her avde melug could eat. Avde sombarza lo yochlu mipnei chelko shal uber. Shal uber posel ve'ino ma'achel div rabiosi. And I will say this, this price reflects the view of the Mishnah. However, again, the avde sombarza can't eat. Why can't they eat? Because of the portion of the Uber, because the Uber is going to be one of the inheritors, right? And again, remember, it's a machlokas, why the Uber is problematic, either because he's a non-Kohen, or ultimately, again, because only someone who is living, right, can enable someone else to live. But either way, the presence of the Uber, will, and because the Uber is part of the inheritance pool, he will preclude the Avdit Son Barzal from consuming Truma. Div Rabbi Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Yossi, Omer Mishum Aviv, Habas Ma'achalas. Interesting. The presence of a daughter enables Avadim to go ahead and eat Truma. So we're going to see what that means. What that means, Abbas. Haben in ma'achil. Ultimately, a son does not enable the Avadim to eat. No, no, no. Sons allow Avadim to eat. I'm sorry. But if it's daughters, ultimately, again, they can't eat. Why? And ultimately, because maybe the Uber is going to be a boy. And if it's a boy, then ultimately, again, the boy inherits everything. So the Gemara says, What does it matter if the Uber is a Zachar? Ultimately, again, let's say that ultimately, Rashi says, look at the last Rashi over here, let me go back actually for just a moment. Look at the previous Rashi. Listen to this. Look at this Rashi. It's very important. So we'll say, now watch this. Now we're going to go through each part of this Bryce on Ahmed Bayes in just a moment. But if there is a son, if there is a son, Right, ultimately, again, the Avadim are able to eat. And I will say, now watch this. This is true even if the woman is pregnant. And I will say, we're not concerned about the chilek of the Uber. Now, why is that? This is fascinating. Number one, the Shem and Because I will say, remember again, with the Uber, first of all, you don't know if it's going to be a boy or a girl. If it's a girl, she doesn't inherit. She doesn't inherit. So first of all, number one, maybe the Uber is a girl. Shema tapio. And even if the fetus is a boy, maybe she will miscarry. Now, I say, now watch this. This is fascinating. Shekola yoldos mechza zacharimu mechza nekevos. I will say, in general, again, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but let me say, it's according to Rashi, when a woman gives birth, it's a 50 50 chance, right? Either she's going to have a boy or she's going to have a girl. The Yeshema pilos, so I will say, and yet, I will say, of that 50 50, there's also some segment that what, or who what? Miscarry. So I'll say, watch this. Rabbi say, this is fascinating. If you look at a pregnancy, right? The woman is pregnant. So I'll say, we look at what is the possibility that she's going to have a boy? So I'll say, often we're tempted to say, what's the probability she's going to have a boy? What is it? 50%. And she says, it's not true. It's less than 50%. Why? Because also remember again, you also have to take into account that there is some segment, there's some percentage of miscarriage. So if you take the percentage of miscarriage and attach it to the 50% that if it's a viable baby, it's a girl, that means there's less than a 50% chance that the Uber is a boy. 
So fascinating. So I will say, therefore, there is this school of thought that essentially tells us we don't take, we don't have to take into account ultimately again the Uber. You don't have to take it into account because halacha lemaisa. There's, there's, there's a, only a mute. There's only a minority. Is in the passing. There's only a minority possibility that it's going to be a boy. It's going to be a boy. And therefore, Allah said there is no need to bring that discussion into this. So I was like, back to the Gemara. Back to the Gemara. Therefore, again, the Gemara says, the Gemara says, what does it matter if we, th- why do you have to bring into this? Maybe the fetus will be a boy. Right? Ultimately, again, if it's a girl, it would also invalidate. To which the Gemara says, let's go through the Braisa. If it's boys, ultimately, again, they have Adam Kirit. I they will say, so now one second, one second. So we'll say one of the cases that we thought was kind of like, that the Bryce said was the following case. So just to reframe it. Bas, Bas Yisrael married to a Kohen. They have three sons, right? She's pregnant. Husband dies. The Bryce said that what? She, everyone could eat, right? Everyone could eat. She, why, let's go through this. She could eat, why? Why could she eat? Why could she eat? Her sons. Her Avdi Maluk could eat, why? Because of her. Avdi Tzom Barzal could eat, Why? Right? Because of the sons. Whoa! What about the fetus? What about the fetus? Right? Do- doesn't the fetus preclude the Avdi Tzambarza from eating? I will say, Ahmed Beis, Kasavar in Choshishin Uta. Wow! Wow! I will say, watch this. No, because this school of thought says the presence of the Uber has no effect. Why? I will say, because the, the possibility that the Uber is going to be a son who would then share in the inheritance pool is what? It's a miot. It's a minority chance. I will say, why is it a minority chance? Because remember again, let's go through the math, right? Remember again, 50-50 chance that it's a boy or a girl. But even if you want to say it's a boy, it's not a 50% chance. Why? The miot, right? There are those who miscarry. So in reality, it's less than a 50% chance that there is going to be another male inheritor. This opinion says essentially, we're not choshesh for a miyot. Incredible. Not choshesh for a miyot. The other possibility is the olam kasavra choshesh miyuta. Maybe we do really hold that she choshesh for the miyot. Da avdinan le takanta kirab nachman amr shmuel. But I will say, watch this. This is incredible. So we'll say, so just to point out what we have over here, you've got on one hand Rabbiosi, right? Rabbiosi essentially says, wherever there is a fetus, wherever, when the Kohen dies, if his wife is pregnant, Rabbi will say, what does that do? What does that do? Who does it shut down? Right? So it shuts down really only the Avdeit Zalambarazal. Assuming that there are other kids, when there are other kids, the only people it shuts down is the Avdeit Zalambarazal. Because she could eat because of her, because of her living children. Because she could eat, her Avdeit Maluk could also eat. But the Avdeit Zalambarazal are, are shut down. They can't eat true until that baby is born. Because that baby is one of the, or that fetus, I should say, is one of the inheritors of the Avdeit Zalambarazal. Okay, so why does the Uber prevent them from eating, that's a machlokis. Either the Uber is like a non-Kohen, or only someone who is alive can enable others to eat. Now I will say, there's another school of thought. The other school of thought is, we don't, we don't worry about the Uber. The Uber does not come into play over here. Why does the Uber not come into play? Why not? It's a miyot. I will say, why is it a miyot? 50% chance it's a boy, only 50% chance it's a boy, it's really less than 
because there's some segment, I don't know what the percentages are, but there's some percentage of miscarriage. So therefore, again, it's less than a 50, it's a miot that it's gonna be a male inheritor. I'm not worried about a miot. Now a third school of thought, incredible. A third school of thought, We'll say, watch this in general. When you have, when you have um, Yisomim, orphans who are minors, and now they want to divide up the estate. So, so we'll say, what often happens with minor, with minor, with, I should say, with orphans who are minors? Beisdin gives them each an apotropis. I don't know what the good English word for this. It would be like a guardian, right? A guardian, but it's more than a guardian. It's almost like a guardian is also an executor, right? So a guardian who is able to help them divide up the estate. And each guardian is vested with the responsibility of choosing a nice portion for the orphan they represent. Higdilu, listen to this. We'll say, what happens when the orphans grow up? They could go ahead and reject the portion that was chosen for them, and force a redistribution of the estate. says, Of course not. Of course not. You can't do that. Right? They can't object once the estate has been divided up. Because if that's the case, what? If that's the case, What good is Beisdin? Shabbos say, Watch this. According to Rav Nachman, what could we do? What could we do ultimately again for the fetus? What could we do for him? We set aside a portion of the estate for him. It's incredible. So let's assume for a moment, okay, want to be Choshesh, that it's going to be a boy, he's going to be an inheritor. So we'll say, we're all caught up in, what are we all caught up in? Since the fetus effectively owns a part of the Avde Malug, and he's unborn, he precludes them from going and eating. It's an easy answer. Separate something else for the fetus to represent his portion in the inheritance, right? You get this field, this field is all yours. Let's so about say, and again, let's separate something that represents his financial portion in the estate. And I will say, what happens when you do that? That removes his involvement in anything else. Incredible, such a great etza. So we'll say, maybe not everyone agrees with Rav Nachman. So maybe it's not low. Ultimately, everyone agrees with Rav Nachman. So what's the point of contention over here? will say, what's that play over here is as follows. Do we have to be choshesh for the fact that there's a, a minority, a minor possibility that this Uber is going to turn in, is going to be a viable boy? That's our machlokis. So we'll say, Rabbi Yossi says yes. The Rabbanon say no. Incredible. Rabbi Yossi, Omer Mishum, Mishum Aviv. Rabbi Shabbat Rabbi Yossi says, Habas say one of the statements we had in the Braissa was a daughter enables the Avodim to eat, a son does not. So I'll say, what, what does that mean? Why doesn't the son enable the Abdeit Son Barzal to eat? It's because of the presence of the fetus. I, but a daughter also should not enable the Avodim to eat because of the presence of the Uber. Wow. Bose, listen to this. We are talking about a case of an estate that has very little property. Bose, what we are going to see is as follows. If you look at Rashi, Bose, there's an interesting halacha, which is, if a man died in a very small estate and he has daughters, as much as sons inherit, when there is a very small estate, Chazal enacted, the estate is used to support the girls. 
It's used to support the girls. So I, what should the sons do? So Rashi says, let them get a job. Right, Rashi says, literally, again, let them go door to door. In other words, they'll figure it out. Boys will figure it out. Right, but if it's a small estate, it goes to go. So watch this. Because in the case there's a small estate, and there's one son and one daughter. So Manafshach, Right, so we'll say if the child if the child is born as a son, so ultimately again the presence of a son is not going to be any different than the presence of the existing son. But at the end of the day, if it's a daughter who's born, then why would she enable the avadim to eat? So the Gemara says, "Bitakanta because we'll say, you see this takanta dirabanan, this takana, which essentially says if it's a small estate, ultimately again, it becomes the property of the, not the property of the girls, but the girls are sustained. That takana is only in effect for children in the world, not for children who have not yet been born. So, Mayakimta, what are you setting up the case with? It must be a case ultimately again where the estate has very little property. I am a seifa. So what did the Seifa say? Because maybe the Uber will be a boy, and it'll turn out that ultimately, again, the girls have no portion at all. Ultimately, again, we'll say if it's a small estate, small estate is given to the girls. So we'll say ultimately, the Seifa is talking about a case where there's a lot of property in the estate, but in the case of smaller estate, it becomes the girls' But we learned that it's true. In the case of a small estate, the sons don't inherit, but it becomes the property of the girls that they're sustained by it. But yet we also learned that even in the case of a small estate, if the sons sell the property, even though that's the wrong thing to do, if they did it, it works, which sounds like they inherit title. To which the Gemara says, my bas is incredible. What does he mean? What's the case of bas where there's a daughter? Bas doesn't mean daughter. What is it talking about? Aim. It's talking about Abbasai where there is a case of a mother. Look at Rashi. Rabbosai, what we're saying over here is if like this, if there's a mother, if there's a mother, ultimately again, Bas means mother in this case. The same way that the mother, the widow, can eat truma, so sold to her avde malug could eat truma as well. But halacha lamaisa, again, if there are just sons, the presence of the uber will preclude the avde tzom barzal from eating truma. Ihaki, hainu rabiosi. If that's the case, then it's the same, then it's just the sheet rabiosi, to which the Gemara says, You're right, kula, kula rabi yishma, rabiosi katanila. You're right, in fact, the entire Bryce, I will say, the entire Mishnah, the entire Bryce, excuse me, is quoting the opinion of Rabbi Yossi. So Rabbi say, so bottom line, halacha lamaisa, had a we went quickly that last piece, but how do we pass in? So Rabbi say, listen to this. In the Rabbi Hilchos Trumos, Perekes, halacha dal says as follows, Bas Yisrael, Shanises Lekohen, Umeis. Rabbi say, here we go. Abbas Yisrael was married to a Kohen, and he died. He died. Ve'enicha me'uberes, and when he died, she was pregnant. So Rabbi say, what's that halacha? Lo yochlu avadeha b'truma b'shila ubar. The way we paskin is like Rabbi Osi. That's how we paskin Rabbi Osi. So now listen to this. Let's play this out. A Bas Yisrael. And Abbas Yisrael, it doesn't matter if it's a Bas Yisrael it doesn't, or, or a Bas coin for that matter. Right? So we'll say, A woman is married to a coin. So again, if they have kids, and now again the coin dies, what's the halacha? She could eat. 
her Avdei Muluk could eat because of her, who can't eat the Avdei Tzom Barzal? Why can't the Avdei Tzom Barzal? Ultimately, again, Rabbi say because of the Obershah Yilod, Husha Machil, She'ini Yilod, Eino Machil. Rabbi say because there is only someone who is alive who can enable others to eat. So therefore, since the Uber, this is the incredible part, the Uber is part of the inheritance pool along with his other living brothers. But because the Uber is not yet alive, he's part of the inheritance pool, but he cannot enable the Tzon Barzadi. So I'll say Paskin like Rabbi Yossi, and therefore Allah if there are existing children, she could eat because of the living children, because she could eat, her Avdei Mulu could eat because of her, but the Avdei Tzon Barzal cannot eat, they are precluded from doing so because of the presence of the Uber in the inheritance pool. Osai Shkoyach. All right, Kerpan Zoom. Good Shabbos, good Shabbos, everyone. So wonderful to see everyone.